as we forgive those who trespass against us. These words are found in uh, two of the Synoptic Gospels. They're the words of Jesus himself to instruct us, to teach us. My brothers, one of the most difficult parts of the Our Father, uh, not to say but to mean, is the second part of that uh, invocation from the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses. That one's easy. We uh, always are good at begging uh, God's pardon and forgiveness. As we forgive those, that's the hard part. To mean that, how can we mean that genuinely and sincerely? Most difficult indeed, and it's part of what uh, we must beg God to give us the grace to do. The Council of Trent tells us he allows his gifts to be called our merits. So anything good we do, although St. Luke tells us he, Jesus, informed us to always say we are unprofitable servants, uh, he instructs us that, to uh, forgive and uh, gives us, if we ask him humbly, the grace to forgive. Uh, there are many examples of forgiveness uh, when I was in high school, I was um, very fond of the story because I was just a sophomore and a uh, teenager as well, of a young girl uh, who forgave. There's a town in Italy just to the south of Rome called Carnaldo, and in that town was a poor tenant family, five children. The oldest was a girl named Maria. Uh, the father died uh, just shortly before uh, Maria's 12th birthday. And uh, her mother was left as a tenant farmer with five children to support. They had to share a home with another tenant farm family. And they tried to eke a living out of the marshes, uh, marshes there at the beginning of uh, the 20th century. Uh, this little girl, Maria, this 12-year-old girl, received her first communion because in those days that was the age in which, in which children normally received their first communion. And uh, she was a cheerful girl, despite the fact the family had great hardships, a lot of sickness. They also had um, great poverty so that oftentimes the children had to go to bed very hungry. But cheerful and happy, uh, Maria, the Gretti family, was... Uh, nonetheless, she was an inspiration for them all. She was sent home after working in the fields with her mother to start preparing uh, some lunch. They had nothing but bread. But she went to uh, her the home. But there was an 18-year-old boy from the other tenant family. And he had already made several advances to her, which she shrugged off. But uh, at this time, he definitely wanted uh, to have her. And uh, she resisted strongly. She said, no, no, I, I, it's a mortal sin. You and I would go to hell. We could not do this. No, no, no. And uh, he insisted. And her resistance uh, exasperated him, and he reached over to pick up the knife she was sli slicing bread with and stabbed her at least 15 times and left her bleeding there on the floor, uh, ran away. When the family came home for lunch, they found her and um, taken to the hospital nearby, but it was already far too late. 
uh, as she was dying, the exsanguination was horrible. As she was dying, uh, she wanted to whisper something. And the parish priest said, let's try to hear what she said. And putting their ear close to her mouth, uh, she said, I forgive him. I forgive him. And I will pray for him in heaven. Um, she was canonized a saint, actually, in 1950. That's why my high school years uh, by Pope Pius XII. Uh, her murderer was found and convicted and sentenced to life imprisonment. He, uh, uh, St. Maria Goretti, evidently continued to pray for him because he had an enormous conversion of heart in prison and lived a very holy life, so much so as an inspiration to both the jailers and the other prisoners that uh, he was uh, given a presidential pardon in Italy and went to live from prison to a Trappist monastery where he basically dined on bread and water for the rest of his life in repentance for the horrors that he had done. Uh, forgiveness. Uh, I forgive him. I will pray for him in heaven. Another story, of course, is uh, in East Africa in 1855. Uh, Africa, Uganda in Africa was then a kingdom, and the new king was a 20-year-old named uh, King Mwanga. King Mwanga was uh, uh, yeah, a very uh, violent man and also a very active homosexual. He thought that uh, while he was the king, he would uh, enter his uh, pernicious dissipation in full force. So he gathered uh, 22 uh, young African men who uh, he, he was attracted to and made them into sort of, wanted to make them into sort of a harem uh, for um, uh, himself. Uh, he uh, then uh, ordered them uh, to undertake sexual activity with him. They all refused. And they were led by two, one named Charles Luanga and the others Matthias Marumba, Catholics. And they said, no, our faith forbids this. This is a mortal sin. This, is, uh, this kind of activity is contrary uh, to our faith. We cannot do it. Infuriated, the king took uh, one of these uh, young boys and personally ran his sword through him and then said to the others, uh, you will do what I want. Absolutely not. So he had them wrapped in straw matting and lit them on fire. And as he was dying, uh, Charles Luanga said to the king, uh, we pardon you, we forgive you, uh, we'll pray for you. They all died, the martyrs of Uganda. They were canonized in 1964, they're saints, by Pope, Pius, uh, Pope uh, Paul VI, and uh, are an inspiration, we hope, to even the youth of our day. The one that moves me most, of course, the forgiveness that moves me most, is the story of Maximilian Kolbe. As you know, Father Kolbe was a conventional Franciscan friar from Poland and lived a very vigorous apostolic life. He was a missionary in Japan, uh, formed a whole legion called the uh, Legion of the Immaculate, uh, promoted by press and other means a devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, he got sick in Japan and was called back to Poland when it was overrun, of course, at the beginning of the Second World War by the Nazis. 
uh, the SS and Nazis were determined to exterminate the Polish intelligentsia, and so anyone who was of any significance in Poland was imprisoned, and Father Kolbe was put in Auschwitz. Auschwitz at that time was part of Germany. Now it's Auschwitz, it's a part of Poland. And uh, uh, he was, uh, because he was still relatively healthy and vigorous, he was put to work uh, in the concentration camp with the usual torments of starvation and all the other uh, dissipation we learned about after the war. Uh, however, a, a prisoner escaped and the camp commandant had a very strict rule that was promulgated to every inmate Anyone escapes, 10 inmates will be selected at random and will be starved to death. And uh, sure enough, they were all lined up. And they had to count off, and um, they were the ones to be marched off to be starved to death. Uh, one man knelt down in front of the commandant and said, Please, I'm married. I have children. Please, please don't do this. And Father Colby stepped out and said, Take me instead of him. The comment is, who are you? He said, I'm a Catholic priest. Take me instead of him. Commandant shrugged him, okay. So Colby was marched off with the other nine men, uh, and they were put into the starvation cells, stripped naked, and they were jammed in the cells, which had no windows, and uh, they were given no food or water, uh, destined to die. When I visited Auschwitz, I saw the cell in which Father Colby died, and it was very grim, just cement blocks and uh, a steel door. And uh, those starvation cells, the SS uh, soldiers would say, were often times of horror. Those naked men in there would be screaming and yelling obscenities, blasphemies, uh, curses by the galore. Uh, but suddenly, this cell was totally different. Uh, Father, Father Colby heard their confessions. He, all you could hear were their prayers. Occasionally they'd burst into a song, a hymn, and uh, gradually they died. When the Nazis heard no more noise from inside the cell, they opened it up and all were dead from starvation and exhydration, uh, except Father Colby, he was still alive. So an SS officer came in and injected carbolic acid in his veins and killed him. Uh, okay. But one of the interesting things, they were completely naked and the cell was completely bare, but somehow they got a piece of cement out from one of the cement blocks and scratched into the wall these words, we forgive you, we forgive you. Forgive us as we forgive. I think that uh, we have to put into our lives, uh, would this be possible for us? Maybe not. Without God's grace, it's probably impossible for any human being. But nonetheless, uh, forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is uh, an extraordinary thing that our Lord tells us we must do as God himself did when he hung there on that cross on Mount Calvary. Uh, he said, never is the saying of St. Catherine of Siena more appropriate than when we reflect on the first word of Jesus from the cross. The time to meditate is during Lent on those seven last words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Not only did he forgive, ask for their forgiveness, but he even excused them. They know not what they do. Catherine of uh, Siena said, Is he 
not more ready to pardon than we are to sin? Is he not the physician of our soul, and we the sick? Is he not the bearer of our iniquities, and we the ones who piled on his burden? Christ, in consistency with all his teaching, gave us the sublime example of how to forgive our enemies as his bleeding body was placed on the cross. Preaching from the pulpit of Golgotha, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Ignorance existed in different degrees in the actors in the tragic drama of our Lord's crucifixion. Although none of the ignorance really excused any of them, it was God's love, Christ's love, that made it possible for them uh, to be excused. I think that pardoning is very difficult, but we must bear in mind the beautiful words from the prayer of St. Francis. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. Just as it is in giving that we receive, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. We should, I think, uh, never uh, forget uh, to be uh, people of forgiveness. This doesn't mean that we shouldn't be um, indignant about evil and injustice, that we shouldn't combat it with uh, the strength that God gives us uh, for that purpose, that we shouldn't have within us a rational irascibility and anger for evil things, evil people, and evil deeds. But always and everywhere, remember that they, God died for them. He loved them. Uh, he loved them to the end. And to be a people of forgiveness requires a large measure of heroism. But we must try, uh, with his grace, uh, to exercise that, exercise that kind of heroism. It was during the First World War, uh, a whole group of Belgium refugees were fleeing from the German occupation, First World War, and they were going down this road uh, trying to flee to France and uh, pushing a baby carriage with uh, their earthly possessions in it, and two little children were with their mother. And they, along in Belgium, it's typical in many places, the old Catholic areas of Europe especially, they have a little shrine, and they had a, a crucifix there, and they stopped to say a prayer as they were uh, foot sore but going along, and uh, they were saying the Lord's Prayer. And they got to the line, of course, uh, forgive us our trespasses, and then they stopped. And uh, little kids looked at their mother and their mother at the little children. And she said, we can't say it. We just can't say it. Forgive us our trespass. That's enough. We can't say any more. And suddenly behind them, somebody said, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And looked around. And it was King Albert of Belgium. He was in the line of refugees and he heard uh, their stalling at saying those words of forgiveness. We might not have such a particularly providential intervention in our lives, but all of us have um, things, grudges, dislikes, people, circumstances. Uh, but he hung on the cross and he forgave. And who are we not to forgive? So when we say at Mass, every Mass, and when we say whatever language we speak, uh, those words, uh, we should not just beg for forgiveness, 
but we should be ready and willing to display and give forgiveness. Uh, and if we do that, uh, we will be walking in the footsteps, the bloody footsteps initially, but the glorious and exalted footsteps of our Savior who uh, died for our sins and rose uh, for our justification, rose for our glory, the happiness that he had promised to all of us. Amen.